Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And at the other forward, six foot eleven from Farragut Academy High School, number twenty-one, Kevin Garnett. Oh, goosebumps! We're going to get into this discussion that we've been thinking about and percolating on the last twenty-four hours after finishing up the last dance. We have a few more thoughts to get off our chest, a few more second-level thoughts. Now that we've been reflecting on KG's career, but. We'll get to that in a moment here after we talk about Federated Insurance. Federated just wants to express their gratitude for your American spirit out there, business owners. Uh, we've had businesses. I, I took a walk around St. Louis Park yesterday and saw businesses already opened that weren't for the last several weeks, some that are opening later this week. And so as you local business owners roll out new plans to reopen your businesses, if you need any trusted resources at all whatsoever, Federated is here for you. You are our community partners our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, they are here to help at federatedinsurance.com, where you can also get information about your local marketing representative as well. Federated is here. No matter what changes over the coming weeks and months, they stand behind business owners as they have for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Join more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Kevin Garnett punches his big ticket to the Hall of Fame. Straight out of high school to NBA stardom. One of three players with 25,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists. NBA championships, Olympic gold. Totally understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who, who doesn't know shit about basketball. <laughs> oh, Kevin Garnett, man. Kevin Garnett. Welcome to the Mackie and Judd podcast here. Part of the Score North platform. You can also find Purple Daily, Daily Vikings conversations with us and our YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Score North, where we are pumping out additional Daily Vikings content. But... It's been now 48 hours or so since, not quite, but whatever, since The Last Dance aired episodes 9 and 10. And we did a deep dive on yesterday's episode. But Judd sent out an email to us last night that got me going down a rabbit hole. And a rabbit hole of research and also of just, like, anger on behalf of (laughs) Kevin Garnett and the Timberwolves. Timberwolves Is off the charts sometimes. Well, I don't know why I'm so emotionally attached. Like, I don't either. I, they just became. That's what I'm saying. Here's what happened. The Vikings were boring in the 90s until 1998. We were just spoiled. They made yep. the playoffs every year and got their asses whipped by the Cowboys or the 49ers or whatever. <laughs> the Twins were garbage after 1992 or 1993. Right. So you got to think like if you are Phil Mackey, you were born in 1985, you're a listener, you were born around the same time. Right. And you're coming into your prime peak childhood sports fandom around age 10, 11, 12, 14, right? That would have been yep. 1995 through 2000 for me. Mm-hmm. The rise of the Timberwolves during a garbage period for the Twins. There was no hockey in this town, and the Vikings were boring and until K- 1998. And KG was cool. KG was like, the KG man. KG was yes. cool. Yes. And so the the best way I think I can tee up this conversation, I'll throw it to you to start with, is now that you've had some time to digest The Last Dance in all 10 episodes, yep. how has The Last Dance made you reflect on Kevin Garnett's time with the Timberwolves Okay, so and the whole relationship? I've got a bunch of thoughts here, uh, but I'm going to start with the reason why I sent you the note. If you are a kid watching The Last Dance 
and gleaning how cool the Bulls were, right? Like the Beatles, basically. Yeah. They were the cool, the coolest of the cool, the cool act that came to your town. But if you are a kid now, or heck, if you're like 20-something, um, you'd be watching that and thinking, God, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if the Timberwolves like were in this realm, like just not, not the Bulls, but just in the realm of yeah, yeah. of being, you know, like a kid that could hang out with the Bulls? Does that make sense? Yeah, like like the Sonics. Could they have hung out with the Bulls for five or six games and reminisced yeah. about, man, if we only would have done this one thing in Game Three, we totally would have had them. And, right. But he, but here's the amazing thing. Now the Timberwolves in. 98 were on the rise. They certainly weren't a great team, but they were definitely an ascending team, right? Here's the thing that's impossible to wrap your head around unless you were actually there in 98. The Timberwolves were cool. And like KG could hang with Jordan. Yeah, like, look, look at him in the All-Star game. KG yeah. was becoming, you know, a fantastic, phenomenal player um, who was a who was a guy that people loved and was a guy who was ultra competitive. So the reason why I sent you guys that note and the start of this discussion to me is imagine trying to sit a kid down now and and be like, okay, last dance was really fun, right? And Jordan, unbelievable, right? And the kid's like, yeah, no no question about it. I get it now. And then saying, okay, I want to also tell you that the Timberwolves could have at least hung with Jordan and the Bulls as far as being like, they got KG. It would be, I think the, person you told that to phil Mackey, would look at you like you have three heads like what what yeah it, but but in that time period you had the chicago bulls reigned the nba but then between like 1996 and well really the stefan marbury year so like the two and a half years of stefan marbury were 1996 through 1998 which was the height of bulls popularity and bulls second three-peat and reign as the greatest franchise in nba history mm-hmm there was no question about that part of it. But if you were to have surveyed the NBA's executives and players and said, all right, who's the on-the-rise team? Like, who's the team that has a chance to maybe do something, maybe not on this level, but, like, has a chance to make some noise, maybe take the torch and carry it in the early 2000s? And I think a lot of people would have said, in and around the NBA and fans, the Timberwolves. Timberwolves got something going there. Flip Saunders, energetic, bright young coach, and Kevin Garnett and Stephon Marbury. And I think where my reflecting on the last dance and and various parallels and perpendiculars to the Timberwolves, where it reached a boiling point was when yep. I started thinking about just how undeserved some of the ripping of Jerry Krause has been. Really, and SI has a great article about this out today if you go to sportsillustrated.com. Jerry Krause absolutely deserves criticism for his ego getting in the way of his relationship with Phil Jackson and him wanting to pull the plug on a dynasty way before it needed to be. Like, they could have milked another year or two out of this, maybe won another championship. And, like, he deserves a lot of flack for those things. And he probably deserves a lot of flack for just, like, running his mouth publicly when he didn't need to and burning a bridge with Scottie well, Pippen and Michael Jordan. Like Saying at the start of 97-98 that the Bulls, and Phil could go 82-0, and and Phil is still not yep. coming back, was an incredibly, incredibly stupid thing. But Jerry Krause is guilty of having no people skills. And all those things are true. Like, we know that. 100%. All those things are true. But where Jerry Krause deserves more credit, and he's getting that credit, at least in Sports Illustrated, on their, on their website today, it's not as simple as just bringing Michael Jordan to the, to the arena and rolling a basketball out. Like, a lot of people want to make it seem and decredit and, and discredit Phil Jackson's coaching career and Jerry Krause and saying, well, I mean, you have Michael Jordan. He's like literally anyone could just have Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant win championships. And I think you probably saw all of the different ego and people managing things that Phil Jackson had to do to get all those guys to play at the level that they played at. Like, obviously, any coach could roll out a ball to Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Robin, and they would like win 50 games and be fine. But not any coach would be able to mold all of those guys and get the most out of them. And not any general manager would have been able to put the roster around Michael Jordan that Jerry Krause did. And this is all leading to a Timberwolves thing, okay? But Mm -hmm. when we evaluate Jerry Krause and the role that he played, Scottie Pippen is a top 30 all-time NBA player. Scottie Pippen was one of the greatest sidekicks of all time. Kevin Garnett never had a Scottie Pippen. You could argue that for one year he had, like, 
kind of a Scottie Pippen in Sam Cassell yeah, and Charles Wheel put together. Yeah, but he never time. had the Scottie Pippen. And Stefan Marbury may have become the Scottie Pippen and looked like he was going to become that, but that ended way too early and, and it blew up in their faces. Dennis Robin comes in. He's one of the top rebounders and defensive players in the history of the NBA. That's not just like a guy that like like Rasha Nesterovich, just throw him out there and he'll grab re- No, like Dennis Rodman is one of the greatest players of all time. Jerry Krause brought him in mm-hmm. at a time when not a lot of teams really wanted to touch Dennis Rodman. The the Bulls and Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson said, let's get that guy. Yep. Let's bring him into our culture. Yep, because Jackson could could do it. Yep. Handle him. Tony Kukoc, sniper shooter, best European player on the planet in the late 80s, early 90s. Even in the first three-peat, Horace Grant and B.J. Armstrong went on to become all-star players with other organizations that really didn't get to score the 20 points per game under Michael Jordan because they didn't get the touches, right? And even like Steve Kerr and John Paxson, these perfect role players that would just spot up and knock down threes. Jerry Krause has a lot of flaws. His roster construction was incredible. And I don't think that gets talked about enough when looking at, it's like Michael Jordan won six championships. Yes, but Michael Jordan had a great situation around him to help maximize his talent. Mm -hmm. And I look at Kevin Garnett Mm -hmm. as the bizarro Michael Jordan. Their personalities are basically the same. They They alienate people. They're abrasive. They have one thing in mind, and it is winning and playing basketball a certain way. They drive people crazy that are coaches, players, even like behind the scenes people. And the biggest difference between Kevin Garnett, and I'm not saying like Kevin Garnett is on the exact same level as Michael Jordan, but Kevin mm-hmm. Garnett was one of the most skilled big men of all time in his prime. A point guard handle with his dribble, mm-hmm. a guy who could shoot, a guy who could post up, do everything he could pass, play defense, like all of the things that Michael Jordan did at his position. KG was also able to do most of those things in different ways at his position. The difference was Kevin Garnett's best sidekick was Stefan Marbury for two years, gone. His second best sidekick, when you take away Sprewell and Cassell for the one year, basically, mm-hmm. his second best sidekick in 12 years with the Timberwolves was Wally Bleeping Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak. Like, if you were to put the same infrastructure around Kevin Garnett that Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson put around Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. we would be talking about one, two, three, like multiple championships well, around a player as great and tenacious as Kevin Garnett. And the, sorry to rant, but like, but the Wolves it thought, pisses me off now that I've think think about it. In, in the Wolves' defense, though, it. in the Wolves' defense, they thought they had done that with Steph, and then Steph basically went nuts about not being the highest paid player and not liking being mm-hmm. behind. If if Steph if Stephon Marbury back then had understood his place, so it's all so in in that one, I'll give the Wolves a break. Uh, because if he had just understood, okay, if I, you know, it's a little bit of a backseat. I get that. But it was still the equivalent in the minds of the NBA on the night that they made the draft trade uh, to get Marbury. It was still going to be, in the minds of a lot of people, the Malone and Stockton equivalent. And it probably could have been. And so when Marbury forced his way out, which to this day, of course, makes no sense, that threw the entire thing off. But the Timberwolves do get a ton of fault, too, for subsequent moves and um, poor moves. And the fact that what's frustrating is, one, in 98, the Timberwolves and KG were coming of age and were definitely in the conversations of, as you talked about, Phil, up-and-coming teams. They were definitely there. They were going to be, if not a great team, a really good team. But when you look at, at the fact in watching the last dance and see what the Bulls achieved, and I'm not trying to say that the Wolves could have been the Bulls. They were not going to win, I don't think, multiple championships. But put all that aside, you had that core player in KG. You had that player who who made you at least consistently relevant all, yes. all of the time. You were always going to be discussed. You, you might have bad years. Things might not go well. But if you put him on the floor in your jersey, you were going to be in, I would say, at least, at the very least, decent shape. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be traded, and yet you decided that the best move that you could possibly make was, well, we'll trade him and he can go win a championship, which, by the way, he did. Congratulations to him. It's mad. But if you're a Wolves fan, those are, are the components that would drive me crazy because even Jerry Krause, who had no people skills, who probably tinkered at times too much, but was very good. Even Jerry Krause never thought to himself, you know what I'm going to do today? 
I'm just going to trade him. I'm going to take the best player in the world and our franchise for sure, and I'm going to trade him. I mean, you could make a case like he kind of did that with Phil Jack. He said, I'm going to take the greatest coach and ego manager in the world, but he never never did it with Michael Jordan. But I'm saying he never called Jordan and said, you know what, Mike, it's been a great run. I'm going to deal you. Yeah. The Timberwolves basically told KG, ah, yeah, you know, it's done. I think see, about that. Because when I think back to the KG era, you've, you've sort of shined a light on something that I have glossed over for 12 years now. I thought it was so obvious based on the incompetence of the organization that they just like, they, they checkmated themselves yes. and they almost had to trade it. Like there was, there was no way out of their contract situations that they were in. Because Ricky Davis was under, like, they had all these just random dudes under contract, and they didn't have any capital in terms of, like, high draft picks. Having KG on your team was a guarantee that you weren't going to be, like, the number two overall pick unless yes. you got super lucky in the lottery. So they kind of checkmated themselves into being in the NBA's no man's land for the better part of 10 years. And I, and I had always reflected on it and said, well, I mean, you weren't going to win a championship in the next three years with KG because like your roster is a disaster, but you're not bad enough to get the number two overall pick. And even if you get the number two overall pick and you get a player in here, that player is going to be 19 years old and KG's 30 and like, okay, by the time the 19 year old is ready to, unless it's a Kobe and you got a Shaq, like you'd have to get so lucky when Kevin Garnett is 30 years old and you were in the spot the Wolves were at in 2008. But it is frustrating because Michael Jordan won multiple championships after the age of 30 because they knew how to construct a roster yep. around him. And that's the thing that pisses me off what, looking back at the Timberwolves. And what is the NBA, of all sports leagues, what is the NBA largely based on? It's largely based on the ability of star players to recruit. And I'm not trying to insinuate that getting players to come to Minnesota is the easiest thing, right? But Kevin Garnett had cachet, big time. And Kevin Garnett had the ability at least to make phone calls, right? Like, Mm -hmm. who's made phone calls, aside from Butler? Who's made phone calls and been like, come play with me here? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Kevin Garnett had that. And you just sort of said, ah, that's it. And, And that gets me back to the point of, if you were to tell somebody, hey, the year of the last dance, the Timberwolves were actually pretty cool. They were relevant. They had that guy who might be who might be and became and was a star player. I think anybody who's young would look at you and be like, what are you talking about? Like, we can have this conversation. And the scary thing is the answer or the sad thing, not scary. The sad thing is the answer is yes. Yeah. Well, you brought up, you know, Kevin so, Garnett and Sorry to depress you. But. No, no, you didn't do anything. It's it's my own doing going back to when I was 10 years old. It really is. I used to sit there and watch every single Timberwolves game that was on TV with my little Nerf hoop and my Kevin Garnett jersey. <laughs> and I would I would watch the game. He still does that. Yeah. I do actually. <laughs> still in the same Kevin yeah. Garnett jersey. Wow, well, that's Chris Farley in a that guy in a little coat. Yeah. That's got to be tight. <laughs> I'll find it and wear it for one of the shows. That'd be awesome. Uh, but but like and and by the way, the the games that were only on the radio, I'd listen to Chad Hartman. I, yeah. I, I love listening to Chad Hartman uh, call basketball games. One of uh, one of our friends. And you brought up well, Kevin Garnett like maybe could have recruited or whatever. Forget about like whether Minnesota was a bad destination for free agents. And obviously, I think Minnesota has its limitations in what you can do in free agency. I'm not going to deny that, whether it's now or back 20, 25 years ago. The draft is a place where you have free swings to to take players against their will to <laughs> Minnesota. Like, yes. sorry, I, I don't care if you don't like Minnesota. We're drafting you and you have to figure it out. Like, that's what they did with Kevin Garnett. Right. You know, I don't think he ever hated Minnesota. But in the Chicago Bulls, if, if we're drawing parallels, the Chicago Bulls, after they drafted Jordan in the mid-80s and then Pippen, you know, it wasn't like they landed four other star fish. Like, the, the Bulls in the 90s were mostly drafting, if they drafted in the first round at all because they traded some picks too, were drafting late and they weren't, they weren't exactly lining up a bunch of Kevin Durant in the draft. But, but they would, you know, every couple of years or so, they would bring in Will Purdue, who would be a rotation player, or they would bring in a BJ Armstrong, who became an All Star. Like they would bring in players that and were that's relevant. where Krause shined. Yep. And so if You're you look right. at if you look at their draft history, it wasn't amazing. But if you look at free agency and trades and things, mm-hmm. so let's just look at 
the free swings the Timberwolves had in the draft. All right, you got your KG. You got your Marbury, you're, and then that kind of fizzled. You're going down a very dark we path just did right with now. The, we just did it with the Wild last week. This is very dangerous. I'm sorry, you're but going, I this have be to do this. I have to do this. Wow. This during is, a, an, this is a, a live. This is an exorcism live on the Mackie and Judd podcast. Right during now. COVID, of, Glenn dur- Taylor compels you. During COVID nineteen too. Woo. So you know this is the pep talk in the mid nineties, okay. uh, right around like nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, and the Marbury stuff was on the rocks. But listen, it's okay. KG is still only twenty one or twenty two. Right. You're going to get ten more years of one of the greatest players on the planet. Tenacious. At least. He's going to play every freaking game. Yes. He's going to grab every rebound. He's going to score. He's going to dribble and pass. Like, he's just going to be one of the best big men ever. And you have 10 years Mm -hmm. to use free agency and to use the draft Mm -hmm. to put one star around him. Mm -hmm. One. And then a bunch of good role players. All right? All right. Let's go. Let's go get him. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Here's the list. Yep. Let's hear it. Wally Zerbiak, okay. Yep. Actually, I'm going to go back a year. I'm going to go back. To, I'm going to go to. Ni- I'm going to start in 1997 here. Okay, this is everything after the Marbury trade. Paul Grant, first rounder. Gordon. I'm just going to give you the, most of these are first rounders until we get to 99 through 2002 when they didn't have any first rounders because they thought signing Joe Smith, well, third guy off who, the bench, basically who was KG's buddy. So, yep. Gordon Malone, Rasho Nesterovich. Andre Patterson, Wally Zerbiak, Will Avery with the 14th overall pick, Lewis Bullock, Igor Rakosevich, Lauren Woods, Marcus Taylor, Indy Eby, who played literally like three games in the NBA yeah. as a first-round pick. Yeah, it didn't go too well. Rick Rickert, Blake Stepp, Rashad McCants, Bracey Wright, Brandon Roy traded for Randy Foy, Craig Smith, Bobby Jones, uh, Lucas Maverick Naga 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 to play in the NBA. Corey Brewer mm-hmm. and Chris Richard. You got ten years. Ten years. It doesn't even need to be a Scottie how, Pippen. Like literally, just how find... many of those guys do you remember well? Actually, most of them. Like Chris Richard, <laughs> they, 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 I they would my dreams. I wouldn't know him if played he, at Florida, right? And Chris Richard, he played have, at. Corey Brewer, I know. Chris Richard I, Chris with the, Richard, the dreads I, from Florida? I don't remember. That's my point. I'm pretty sure Chris Richard and Corey Brewer were teammates at Florida. Okay. They I'll, drafted two I dudes will from take Florida. your word for it because I have no recollection of Chris Richard. They said, Richard. Uh, Florida, like you yeah. guys went to the Final Four. Let's just take a bunch of players from Florida. That was mm-hmm. their draft strategy. But, I mean, I sorry to cut open a vein here all over the table, but, like, it's... Again, I'm not saying that Your Kevin Garnett, ranks, man, is, it's impressive. I'm not saying that Kevin Garnett is Michael Jordan. I am saying that Kevin Garnett is Bizarro Michael Jordan, and that if he were if he were to enter a different reality when he came into the league, or if the Stefan Marbury thing hadn't gone sideways, and yep. I think Flip Saunders was actually a very positive equity piece to this whole puzzle, huh. and they just couldn't get the roster right around him, and they wasted one of the great careers of all time. I think right now, if you surveyed NBA fans and players in the league and said, all right, let's do another top 50 players all time in the NBA list. Michael Jordan would be number one and Kevin Garnett would be on the list of 50, but probably between like 20 and 40 somewhere. I think it's fair to say he'd be between like 20 and 40, but this is the funny part. And Tim Duncan would be way higher. And this is the reason why I think Kevin Garnett was a better player than Tim Duncan. He was a more skilled player than Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan had David Robinson around him. Tim Duncan had Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, later on in his career, Kawhi Leonard. Like, literally yeah. all these dudes are Hall of Famers. And as, as great as Flip Saunders was as a coach, Greg Popovich is maybe the third greatest coach of all time. And so if Kevin Garnett had come in with better infrastructure or a Jerry Krause competent evaluator of talent and, and hustler of trades and free agent signings and would have had that sidekick and would have won, like, two or three championships or something with the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. If he winds up with three or four championships, including the one with the Celtics, he is a top 12 all-time NBA player. The only reason why he's not regarded as that is because his Minnesota front office was garbage and he had no sidekicks. That's why. And Mikhail, it, I'm going to leave. <laughs> it's sorry, amazing. It's amazing because Mikhail actually got off to a pretty good start. Like he took Garnett, which at that time was what the first high school kid because you could do this coming out of high school in something like 20 years like, like Moses to Malone be taken. Yeah. Um, so Mikhail got off to a pretty good start. And the Mar- the Marbury trade, which 
I know in retrospect, you talk about if Allen had uh, stayed here, what that would have done to change things. But the Marbury trade back then looked like a really good trade. It got uh, Garnett, his point guard. So things actually started off pretty damn well. And at some point in time there, around probably the time of the Steph trade, they disintegrated and they never got back. And the other question in the world of uh, the in the world of an alternate reality, if you have that, if you'd like to play that, I can give you one. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Tee that up one more time. And the other question in the world of an alternate reality. So many significant sporting events in Minnesota's history. Some have made us ask the question, what if? Like, what if Stephon Marbury hadn't left the Wolves? Oh, well, what if is. Gary Anderson had made that <laughs> kick? Do you think Gary Anderson will make this field goal? The answer should probably be yes. 39 yards uh. <laughs> What is this? Minnesota leads by 10. What if there is no Minneapolis miracle? Steps into it. Passes. Up for grabs and picked off by Marcus Williams. Ah, yes. It's time to ask what if in Mackie, Judd, and Rami's alternate reality. Unbelievable! Vikings win the Super Bowl! I'm not going to... Oh, that's painful. Oh. I'm not going to ask the uh, the Marbury question because we've talked about that extensively. The alternate reality I'm going to give you, what if Flip Saunders isn't fired the first time? Because they sort of just panicked. And it was very it was very bizarre and clearly didn't work. But what if Flip is not I don't. So KG got traded in 2008, right? Yes. Okay. Flip got fired in 2005. I don't see a world. I'll kick this off by saying I don't see a world where if Flip doesn't get fired, and he really did not deserve to be fired that time. Oh, seven, actually. I don't see a world in which Kevin Garnett is traded to the Boston Celtics if Flip Saunders is the coach here. And if he doesn't get traded to the Boston Celtics. So Flip got fired in 05. KG got traded two years later. And there was a stint where Kevin McHale was forced to be the coach for and like a half Dwayne season Casey, or something. Who, who is not a, a train wreck as a coach. But no, anyway, job. but anyway, let's say Flip just stays because he easily could have. KG was 30 years old at the time of the trade. A lot of things might have been different with different Flip scenarios. But the biggest question, though, in 2007 would have been, all right, he's 30. Let's just, he's been here for 12 years. Probably going to have to scale back his minutes, which is what Boston did. But he probably still has like three or four years of championship caliber play left. Yep. And I'm sure they had, I'm sure Glenn Taylor and Kevin McHale had this discussion, but without Flip Saunders, what can we do around him in the next three to four years to take one more run at this thing? Because mm-hmm. KG was open to it. KG was, yes, KG did not want to be traded. What KG wanted. But then they look at the roster. That's like they look at right. the roster and they said, all right, well, Ricky Davis is our sidekick. Mark Blunt is the third leading scorer. Mike James is the point guard. All right, Randy Foy. Randy Foy was our first round guy. They were basically banking on they were banking on one of two things or one of three things. Randy Foy becoming a secondary star, which is laughable now in retrospect, yes, right? Yes. That he would be like, okay, we we whiffed on the Marbury thing that went sideways. Randy Foy is going to be the Marbury, mm-hmm. or you are somehow able to luck your way into another draft pick in the next two or three years that becomes an instant star, but probably a draft pick between like 13 and 25 somewhere. Right. Right. Or you take this garbage roster with, with no real actual trade chips and you find a way to maneuver cap space or other resources to get a secondary star in. And I know they were trying to do that because there were all kinds of rumors. Allen Iverson was being traded by the Sixers around the same. It was like 06 or 07. Mm-hmm. And now it turns out Allen Iverson was completely fried as a player and had nothing left in the tank. Once he left the Sixers, it was just like he went to the Nuggets. He went, I want to say somewhere Pistons? else. Too. Maybe the Pistons. Yeah, he went around. And he was not a good player anymore. No. If that trade could have happened like five years earlier and you had Allen Iverson at his peak and Kevin Garnett, that team would have won championships. Allen Iverson took a team to the NBA Finals with basically no secondary superstar. But if Flip is coach of this team in in 2008 and he hasn't been fired, my question too is, because he would have certainly had influence on said roster, is the roster as garbage around Garnett? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was garbage before that. As mostly. It, as it was. I just, 
I think if Flip doesn't get fired, the Timberwolves' prospects in the coming years are definitely better. And and as unfortunately was the case, they made just about every misstep that you could make after that. And I think because they checkmated themselves in the years, like but like when they went to the Western Conference Finals, that was kind of their win. That was kind of their shot, right? The, the Lakers were coming off their dynasty. The Pistons. Yep are probably the weakest finals winning team in my lifetime. And that Pistons team is really good, but like that that Pistons team has no Hall of Famers on it. It's probably the weakest finals team. That was the Timberwolves year to win the championship. Those were some bad Cassell. Those were some bad finals. Yep. Absolutely. You had like the Nets were making finals in that era. Absolutely. Yes. And that would have been your year to win the championship. Bad. Yes. I I honestly don't like I love I love that you're shining a light on what if they had just hung on to Kevin Garnett. I don't know what would have been accomplished with how Disastrous. Everything else around but KG fr- was but, from 08 through through 2011. Right, but post Flip, the organization became incompetent. If Flip doesn't get fired, do they become as incompetent, or or does or does Flip have a guiding light? I got another great one too for you. I have one too, by the way. You go first. I kind of have one as well. Oh, oh nice hat trick. Okay, here's mine. Jerry Reinsdorf calls Phil Jackson in after the uh, NBA championship against the Utah Jazz in the spring of 1998. And he says, Phil, I want you back at any cost. We need to chase a seventh title. Uh, you are clearly a key here. The players respond to you. They might even like you a lot. Um, I'm going to put you in charge of personnel. If you want, what do you need me to do? And, Phil probably because Phil Jackson probably privately said fire Jerry Krause. He probably did say that at some point in time. For and, sure. my, and it, he's not going to talk about it now, and that's fine. But what if in this reality, alternate reality, Jerry Reinsdorf says, Okay, Phil, it's done. Calls Jerry Krause the next day, says, You're done. Hey, it's been a great run, but you basically have no people skills. Michael Jordan hates you. Phil Jackson now does not like you. You're done. Jerry Krause gets fired. Jerry Krause starts to look for a job. Oh, my God. Jer- Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause sees a star, young player, not too far away in the Midwest. Oh, my God. The upper Midwest. What's happening? Oh. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Glenn Taylor says, you know, McHale's done a pretty good job so far, but yeah, yeah, there's some, yeah he's okay. He's, he's okay. But you know what? We got a chance here to get the architect, the architect of a team that's won six championships in eight years. Jerry Krause gets the Wolves job, wow. replaces McHale. Now, Jerry Krause might have no people skills, but he won in Chicago, and, and I think we all agree his personnel construction was phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? And so now he comes in. How are the Timberwolves forever changed with the little fat man? God bless him. God <laughs> so, speed to so him. So what year would he have taken over in the late 90s? Ni- he late would have taken 90s, over right? for the 98 98- 99 season yeah well the lockout season would have been his first season yeah it's but he also he also was the bulls general manager in the late 90s early 2000s and kind of gave you a glimpse into all right if he's in charge of something that starts from a lower point right that doesn't already have michael but jordan when he comes in my only it's kind of a here, train wreck too right but he's got the garnett piece that's correct that's so, correct so you've got the garnett piece and I, I mean, he I might think have he fired gets, Flip and hired Tim Floyd, and it all goes sideways. I'm just, that's why you know, I'm and, throwing and it out there. He did draft Elton Brand. I think Elton Brand was like the first rebuilding superstar that, that they drafted. And Elton Brand, I don't know if superstar is the right word. Elton Brand was a good player. Mm-hmm. I, I got another one for you guys, and then we'll get to Declan's too. All right. So we're talking about a tenuous window here. Between like 2006 and 2008, right? Where right. Kevin Garnett's time with the Timberwolves is coming to an end. Now, now as we know it now. But what you're saying is, what if they had just like, what if they had managed the end better from a roster perspective? And like, was there a way to keep a 30-year-old Kevin Garnett with the Timberwolves and take one last push at it from age 30 through 32 or 33? All right. Well, they got a little unlucky in that in those last two years with Kevin Garnett, the roster was so bad around him that he wasn't able to just like lift a bunch of garbage players to a 51 season, which is what he did for the first 10 years. He just, well, like eight years 
his first couple years, he was learning the ropes. And then, like, the next eight years, it was him and Anthony Peeler winning 50 games every year mm-hmm. and Troy Hudson, right? Well, the roster got so bad in 2006, 2007, they went 32 and 50 in those seasons. And they were drafting sixth or seventh. They were drafting, they didn't get the, the magical luck that gets you to number one. But the bad luck that they had was those two drafts. All right, you still have KG, but you're somehow bad enough to draft early in these drafts. In 2006, it was so bad. Like the only two formidable players in the top 10 were LaMarcus Aldridge, number two overall, who wouldn't have fallen to the Timberwolves. And then the Timberwolves actually landed Brandon Roy, who was really good for like three years with the Blazers, but then had the deteriorating knees and stuff, right? Yep. Everybody else in that draft was garbage. Adam Morrison... Andrea Bargnani, Tyrus Thomas, Sheldon Williams, Rudy Gay. Like, Rudy Gay's okay, he's, but he's not a sidekick. Uh, J.J. Redick was a good role player, but, like, that draft is a disaster. So, all right, crap. Got unlucky there. There just wasn't any star players. Okay, okay 2007. All right, well, Kevin Durant went number two overall, but the Wolves were picking seventh in that draft, so they wouldn't have had access to Kevin Durant. Al Horford would have been a big help, but he went third overall. Again, they got unlucky. Corey Brewer was available. Like, who else could they have had around that spot? Joe Kim Noah, AC Law, Julian Wright. Like, it was a bad draft. So in the two years that they were bad enough to draft high and still had in their in his prime Kevin Garnett, they got unlucky with those drafts. And then they got impatient and traded Kevin Garnett. Well, what if... What if they had stuck it out for one more year? Okay. And in 2008, the Timberwolves were really, really bad after Kevin Garnett, and that was their goal. Just get as high as you can in the draft the next year. 07-08 was his first year with the Celtics championship. Yep. Timberwolves were third overall in the draft, and that's the year Derrick Rose went off the board number one, so you wouldn't have had access to him. Michael Beasley went number two, and that's we okay. all know how that played that's out. That's okay, yeah. He did, actually, you actually did have access to him later on. That yep. was fun. Yeah. And you wind up taking O.J. Mayo, number three overall, making the right choice in trading him for Kevin Love at the time, right? Russell Westbrook went number four overall. Is there a scenario in which you could have been bad enough in 2007, 2008? Like, you were already bad. Yep. You were already a 30-win team. Yep. Could you have been a little bit worse in 2007, 2008, maybe even tell KG, listen, we're going to scale your minutes back and you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be load management time, right. baby. You're going to miss 15 or 20 games because like this is our last shot to put a team around you. And keep in mind, he, he, he wanted to stay. So he wasn't trying to force the way out. So he might have actually consented to some of your ideas. Could you have landed Russell Westbrook in the 2008 draft if you had just hung on to Kevin Garnett for one more year and had been bad for one more year? And now Russell Westbrook has been in the NBA for 11 seasons. We know what he is now. In his first three years, he was he was unbelievably good in those first so three years. So you could have built Oklahoma an City. OKC type of situation for yourself. Could you have you had could have done this? 20-year-old Russell yes. Westbrook, Energizer Bunny, scoring 20 points a game, grabbing rebounds, dishing out assists, and, and Kevin Garnett doing all the dirty work inside? I, I think absolutely. Saying. Now, I don't know if you would have been bad enough to be number three, number four overall. You might have been more like number five, number six, but even then, Eric Gordon was available. Like th- there were guys that you could have taken in that draft that would have scored you twenty points and would have. It's a fun exercise, Declan. All right. So it's the end of that two thousand three oh four run to the Western Conference Finals. You still have KG and Sprewell and Zerbiak after that. But let's say instead of keeping around Sam Cassell, who was still under contract for one more year, you traded Sam Cassell that summer. You're like, hey, dude, you're thirty four years old. It was a great run for us, but we got to get younger somehow and also improve this team. You know who was the big free agent in 2004 in the NBA that year? Steve Nash. Steve Nash signs. Oh, my God. A five-year. Canadian. $65 million deal. He'll only make $11 million with the Phoenix Suns and going on to win the MVP. If he was on the Timberwolves, he would be the fourth highest paid player. Wally Zerbiak oh. and Latrell Sprewell oh. made more money than Steve Nash in the 2004-2005 season. You're killing Mackie, by the way. Dude. What if they would have traded for Steve Nash, with paired with Kevin Garnett, and then it would have been essentially, instead of the Suns and Spurs for three seasons dominating the West, it would have been the Wolves and Spurs. 
Alternate reality, Steve Nash. I love that one. On the Kev- With Kevin Garnett on the Timberwolves. I love that one. Because this is the other alternate reality. If you're doing this from the Suns' perspective, and I don't know how they would have done this. Oh. Imagine those Suns' teams with MVP Steve Nash, high-flying, high-scoring, and they kept running into the San Antonio Spurs and the Lakers in the playoffs, right? Imagine if you would have taken Amari Stoudemire, who was very good, off of that Suns team and put Kevin Bleeping Garnett in his prime Oof. on that Suns team. That team wins two or three championships. If you just swap out Amari Stoudemire for who Kevin Garnett. That Nash deal? Jerry Krause. <laughs> As Wolves GM, Jerry Krause makes it. That's oh. a great one, too, because Nash is from Canada. Would have loved it here. Could have been basically at home. He like took a pretty small deal. I could I didn't know that. I thought maybe he like broke the bank because rightfully so he was Steve Nash. He was still entering his prime at thirty years old. Wow. But he signed a pretty team friendly deal on that Suns team. And so that was the O four O five season. That was the first season that that was the year after the Wolves tried to run it. They, they tried to run it back. It train wrecks. They missed the playoffs, and they've only made the playoffs like once since. And the other part to this what-if equation is if you could have found that Steve Nash, if you could have found that Russell Westbrook or whatever, but let's let's stick to the 0405 NBA. The NBA was so gettable in that era, so gettable. I know you had the Spurs coming into their prime, but, like, the Pistons won the championship in 2004. Like I said, the, like probably the weakest NBA champion in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the Spurs in 05 and 07. Like, the Spurs were ridiculous. 06? the Mavericks and the Heat? Like, that was the Heat before LeBron? Ugh. That was a young the, Dwayne the Wade? The Timberwolves got like, good. You, you, uh. <laughs> the, ma- the maddening thing is the Timberwolves got good going right into the teeth of, of an era where the NBA was not great. Like, they were... So, so yeah. it's not actually unrealistic to talk about scenarios under which they become one of the best teams and contend for a title, which they, which they did very briefly in the West. Because you didn't have these star-laden teams yet, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have... Now, Now, Kobe was certainly great with the Lakers and with Shaq, and, and those teams, you know, were very tough. But you did have that early 2000s. You're right. Those finals, by the way, were awful to watch. The yeah. ratings were abysmal. The Nets were almost unwatchable. Yeah. And the Spurs weren't really sexy. Like, Spurs were good. They were really, really solid and had some nice players, but they weren't sexy. It's a... It's a really difficult exercise to do because it's not completely out of left field that if the Wolves had done things right, they would have been in great shape yeah. for a long time wow. or could have been in great shape for a long well, time. Well, that turned into something fierce. Are you okay oh, now? Oh, man. I'm sorry, Mackie. It's therapeutic, but also I mean, Declan depressing. is a hockey guy, so he's not. He really not after that, that, I'm a basketball guy after that yeah. alternate reality. At some point, but the Timberwolves are going to break through. Deep. At some point. <laughs> it uh, cuts deep for you, Phil. Let's let's wrap with Royce and and with him go through MLB's plan to return that came out earlier this week. He's, got, a quick, he's got some totally thoughts, I can tell you. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who, who doesn't know shit about basketball. Need a, need a breather quick to talk about Luther Brookdale <laughs> Toyota here. Um, Luther Toyota is here for you if you need a new car or you need service on your vehicle. They have been taking every necessary precaution to keep you, the customer, safe and also their team members safe. Some great deals going on right now, too. Don't let COVID-19 stop you from taking advantage of 90 days deferred payment on both new and used vehicles and 0% financing on 2020 Camrys, RAV4s and Tacomas. You can schedule a test drive where they will bring the vehicle to you so you don't have to leave your your home, you can just have that vehicle dropped off and you can drive it around, see if you like it, see some of the new interior technology. If you haven't driven a Toyota with Apple CarPlay in it, you're missing out on a great audio experience. You can also tap the Score North app and listen to Mackie and Judd on demand if you'd like to. If you need service on your vehicle, Luther Brookdale Toyota has set up a no-contact system, including electronic checkout. And if you don't need anything right now, that's okay as well. They're here for you at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com and 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Somebody shows symptoms at the ballpark. When they get screened, they will have a rapid test right there that can be done somewhere in the range of 5 to 15 minutes. The the point is, the players now have a sense of what testing is going to be like and can come back to MLB and say to them, this is sufficient or this is what we need. All right, that was Jeff Passan. Major League Baseball insider from ESPN. We wrap with Royce Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Mackie and Judd. And, Pat, 
We'd love to go just sort of line by line here, not through all 67 pages of the proposal, but but our friend from the Tampa Bay Times, uh, actually, I thought it was I thought it was Mark Topkin, but it just says Tampa News Services. So okay. let's go through some of these and get your thoughts on what a return to playing baseball could look like. All right. OK, so players would regularly be tested for coronavirus, along with managers, coaches, umps and a handful of essential staffers that come in contact with players. Most exams would be saliva based and could deliver results in 24 hours, and the league would pursue the least invasive and fastest testing methods commercially available without harming public health needs. Your thoughts? Uh, well, how so? You're not, how often are they going to do this? Is, Sounds is like every every day. Every day. Okay, that's stupid. All right. Okay, let's uh, you know let's let's say okay, you're good today. All right, uh, next week we'll try this again. But uh, okay. I guess I don't know what to say to that. Actually, it does say that people who don't show symptoms would receive twice a day screening for virus issues like temperature checks, et cetera. So maybe it's not daily coronavirus testing, but it's definitely daily screening for symptoms. Okay. Well, you know, the temperature thing, they're now saying that uh, actually if you have a fever, it's too late because you probably got it two days ago and your lungs are now collapsing. So, you know. Any, uh, yeah, okay. That's there, there, there. So many of the, so much of this is cosmetic, trying to uh, uh, act to make it look like they're the world's greatest citizens. But uh, go ahead. I, I think testing that often is stupid. But okay, that's my view. So uh, the next bullet point is lockers would be required to be six feet apart, which is tricky in most home clubhouses and impossible in a visiting locker room. Good luck in Fenway. What are we going to do in Fenway, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. So they are suggesting here in this write-up that outdoor spaces or unused stadium areas are going to be used find, for lockers. Find the the thing about discouraging post-game showers. They basically want these guys to leave and I think go back yeah, to hotels. Players and- players would be discouraged from taking <laughs> public transportation back and forth from the hotel, and they would be discouraged from taking showers after the games. Just throw on a sweatshirt and, I don't know, like maybe wash the dirt off your knees or something? Oh, no. What what is wrong with a shower? Well, they don't want want people, like, sharing, like, soap and germs that come off your body. You know, like, if I... If I pick up a, if I pick up a, well, this is going to sound creepy. If I pick up the same bar of soap that you're using, you know, is it Fully self-cleaning? I don't know. It's a scenario like I don't really virus, want to envision. Does the virus really like soap? I can't believe the virus likes soap. No, it definitely. No, the virus. I think more like I a bottle of shampoo or soap. something. Yeah, I don't think the virus likes soap. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that. So, uh, I yeah, that's the stupidest. That's just among the many stupid things. Not letting guys take a shower is the dumbest. Yeah, I want them to take a shower. You know? Don't you? If I If I'm playing... The first thing I want to do is take a shower. Yeah, you would think you would, you would think that that, that I would think be. I think they want them to go home and shower separately. You know, you, you, uh, drink a little Clorox, you know, do something. Come <laughs> what on, you, what are you up to, Trump? Now? <laughs> <laughs> no, you got. I mean, oh, God, they're just driving me nuts. Play baseball. All right. Well, if they do play baseball, another bullet point here is during play, fielders would be encouraged to stay several steps away from base runners while while the ball is out of play. You know what this means? The shift is dead. End of the shift. You got to stay in your position. So if a guy's like leading 20 feet off off, uh, first and second base, then the shortstop's got to either go further into the hole. And they can't throw behind him because they're going to have a play. I'd steal second base every single bleep in time. <laughs> you know, I said, I thought humorously uh, last week, but they're going to have a line of demarcation at first base. They won't be able to throw over and you can only lead off this far, right? They're going to have something like that. Yeah, but then so then so then you wouldn't be able. To, so the, the goal there would be a first baseman wouldn't hold the runner on. Is okay. that where? You're... All right. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. At that point, I let's not know. play. But what well, well, what about the diving back, stealing base, and diving back into the base, that's sliding in the hole? Yeah. What about that? It's too dangerous. Can't do it. What, what about? It'll be that? a little league. No stealing. It, yeah. The whole thing. But here's 
They put out a 67-page basically thing yeah. of, of the do's and, and don'ts, and all anybody really cares about is how are you going to pay the players because if you're not going to pay them enough, guess what? These 67 pages mean nothing. Uh, well, it's also overkill. They should have had about eight bullet points, right? One page, eight bullet points. Sixty. You think that these guys, you think Blake Snell's going to sit out and read 67 pages? Have you guys ever read anything other than a no. book that is 67 no, pages? No, so, I'm no. I don't read books. I buy houses and don't read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. What's, it, what's my monthly? Are you, what are my, what are the charges your cost, you know, the extra, the hidden title search cost, and where do I sign? You know, we don't read 67 pages. And by the way, I was the sporting news guy for the, uh, for the twins for years. And I had to take the ballots for the golden gloves and I had to fill them out. The gold club because I had to fill them out because these dummies didn't pay any attention. <laughs> now we're going to have read sixty-seven pages about whether they should. Maybe you can take a shower, but there's certain parts of your body that you can't put the soap. In. <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's another yeah, one. Yeah, you know these. You know it's all That's on page being done. It's all being done to try to make us. It's baseball. It's not going to be safe. Play the game. All right, here's another one. The dugout would only include, quote, necessary players with auxiliary seating areas designated for inactive players and some coaches, likely in the ballpark seats. Anyone in the dugout would have to sit six feet apart, and managers and coaches would have to wear masks. Players would have to wear masks while in restricted areas, except while playing or doing huh? other strenuous activities. So basically, they're like... They're going to make the managers the wear masks in the dugout? Yes. All right. How's Guardy going to react to that, by the don't way? Don't play baseball. Don't, don't play. Don't play. Don't come back. Also, players are being discouraged. To, You're done with it, you, you can't use seeds. You can't yeah, chew the bubble gum. Don't spit. And you no can't high-fiving. Spit. Asking a baseball player not to spit is like asking a baseball player to hold his breath for three hours. Like, it's impossible. It's uh, uh, they're just going way over the top, like opening bars. Hey, try not to sit on each other's lap, okay, and wash the glasses. Uh, I, I mean, that's the thing you got to say that you know. Be careful here, boys. Uh, you know, when you end up in a pile on a slide into second base, get up quickly. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, let's. You just got to be reason. You, you got to trust people here to, uh, you know, it, it's so cosmetic. It's such crap. By the way, baseball's having all those rules. How are we going to play football? Not have rules. <laughs> Go out there, boys, and play football. You how need the money. Have, how are we going to have football? Why doesn't baseball look at these other sports and say, well, we have the advantage of not having nearly as much contact as the other three major sports, mm-hmm. including basketball, by the way. Now, the Timberwolves, of course, they will have no trouble by staying six feet away from the people they're guarding because that's the way they play. Stole my joke. Well, God dang it, he beat me well, to it. No, I use that joke too much. But uh, ahead of their curve on social distancing. But why does baseball have to take all these precautions when these other three sports that are full contact sports are going to are trying to come back also. Why would you make baseball players go through all this nonsense and then say, "Oh, by the way, the NBA is going to start up in a month too," and have guys leaning on each other and sweating on each other and and breathing on each other, and uh, you know, hockey rolling into each other in the stinkiest uniforms in sports. Oh, hockey's you know, a mess. If a, virus, if a virus can't live in a hockey uniform, it's got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right about that. These people embrace the mumps when mumps were out. These people are just idiots. They're idiots. You don't need all this stuff. If you're going to play the game, Play the. You, you have the natural advantage of a low-contact sport. Take Just take advantage of the low-contact. But it's all this attempt to say, oh, we're following all the regulations. And this is, uh, you know, 
and how about the, they're all staying in the hotel? How about their road uh, uh, friends? Are groupies out? Is that the question? Are groupies not allowed? No, it's, it says in the report the groupies are discouraged. So Okay, I was going to say, because if there's no groupies, there ain't no baseball. So, so Derek Jeter gift no, bags are still on the no, table. Yeah. The road, Just have gloves. Uh, the road wives are going to be, uh, <laughs> we're not going to let these guys leave, but uh, they're going to be discouraged from leaving the hotel, right? Yeah, I, I missed this part of the. I just I just found maybe the most important part of the sixty-seven page draft here that team mascots are not going to be allowed at the field. Team mascot TC Bear is banned from Target Field in two thousand twenty. Well, who would he be jumping around acting like an idiot for? If there's no fans, I don't think the players are going to miss him. The blow up doll I, fans, he Patrick, still sit on top of the dugout and clap his hands. How about the media? <laughs> yeah, it, out. I think we're Are we addressed out, in that 67-page report? I haven't gotten to the last page yet, but I, I haven't seen I anything don't about think media. I we're addressed. I think we're out. Well, yeah. well you're one of the five or six longest-tenured BBWAA guys. Why don't you uh, put together a little outline and send it out to Jeff Passan to report? Well, there, there is actually, I think, the BBWAA is coming up with something. But they, they're also trying to not act too impolitic and say, give us all access, you jerk. Right. You know, we got to, uh, we got to act like, uh, you know, civilized human beings and we're all into this, but uh, I'm not, I'm not as worried about the rest of this year, you know, okay, if we don't get access, but this is going to be, this is, and as we've said a hundred times, this is going to be the kickoff to keeping us out of clubhouses and locker rooms forever. Yeah, you're probably right unless, about that. Yep. Unless unless we work for the team or camera yep. crew for Fox <laughs> or ESPN or something. Unless we're paying for it, uh, you know, if we're guests, we ain't getting in the locker rooms anymore. Yeah, teams and networks view that relationship very differently than 20 years ago. When they needed oh. third-party media to get messages out, mm-hmm. they, uh, they believe they don't now need they, that anymore. Now they don't want that third-party message because it might not be the one they want. Right. They can get out their message now. So I, I just don't, as I said, this is this sport has the advantage of not having much contact. Take advantage of it. Just play. Uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to shift, they're, okay, how fast does this virus go if Eddie Rosario and Byron Buxton are closing on a ball at left center? Should one of them pull up six feet away? I would recommend that for Byron yeah, Buxton. Yeah, actually. that's a great yeah. idea when it comes to Byron Buxton. I think we found a solution to his problems. Yeah, Everyone, you know everything what? has coronavirus. The, the wall is filled with coronavirus, yeah. Byron. The wall. It's it's all over the wall. Actually, Byron, the wall is coated with coronavirus. Yes. So stay away. From stay away. All right, Pat. Stay six feet away. We'll talk it's, to you tomorrow. Manfred's an idiot. He hates baseball. He hates Baseball. Bring back Rami so we can complain about that. <laughs> we will. Golden Valley has weighed in. <laughs> All right. See you, Pat. It's uh, Patrick Royce, oh, the legendary. Man. Oh, man. It's Patrick great. Royce. That's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd, the podcast. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review the way, on Apple, and it helps us a lot. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that a 67-page manifesto about the do's and don'ts related to health problems in baseball came out. Just as we, we were all talking about the money situation, yeah, and now it's this. Well, this this reads this is to no me. Accident. Here's what this could also be too: is this. all right, the players. The, so baseball a week ago put out its initial, "Hey, we're ready to rock and roll. This is what's happening." And yep. like Sean Doolittle and a bunch of players were like, "That's great, but like we got to figure out the money thing." But have you thought at all about our safety? Right. And this is them saying, "All right." Yep. Here's 67 pages, and if you guys want to trim, if you guys want to sit closer yep. to each other in the dugouts, then you decide that. And it's almost what? like an over. It's an overcompensation. And if they come back in the next few days and say, "All right, you've got the 67 pages, and we're gonna split the revenue 50-50, you're still not gonna have baseball. Yeah. So I don't know. I I really do. I'm okay with all this stuff. Like whatever makes the players feel safe, and whatever is the safest thing. I just want baseball back in July. Just. I just want baseball back in July. So even I'm if it has it. to look kind of weird and there's a couple different things that we're not used well, to. Well, you bring up Guardy. Is it healthy for him? No. 
at all to be there? It's not healthy for any old manager. That's what I'm saying. Like they should. I keep at, bringing at this minimum, up. They should wear we're masks. Not, we're not addressing guardian a mask. We're not addressing. Yeah, and you know what? He's going to take the damn thing off immediately. Probably right. We're not addressing the, the fact that I think there are people in the sport or in sports in general who, who have coaching jobs who probably shouldn't be at ballparks or stadiums. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of old baseball men. I mean, those are the that people are, that are going to die, not the players, yeah. probably. Rocco's fine, though. Rocco built Oh, Rocco's in great shape. Rocco you? was built for the quarantine. He was. He <laughs> really was, yeah. See you guys tomorrow. I totally understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who, who doesn't know shit about basketball. Glenn. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.